You're listening to Do What You Want Radio, a podcast series for creative entrepreneurs, freelancers, and those ready to learn how to do what they want. I'm your host, Jordan Heffler. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Do What You Want Radio. Today, I'm sitting here with Mandy Porta. She specializes in children's illustration, and I'm very excited to talk to her. So, hello. Hey, well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. No problem. Um, Give everyone kind of the spiel on who you are and what you do, because children's illustration, I think I know what that means in my head, but I'm sure there's a lot more to it than just Right. A lot of people hear children's illustration and think books, like children's books. That's exactly what I was thinking. Right. But that's not really what I do. Okay. Um, So I create art and illustration that could be used for children's products. So it could be patterns, like um, if you look at fabric, there's patterns on fabric, so my design's that. Um, Or it could be paintings. original art that you would hang in your home, your kid's room or their playroom. And I also, you know, I paint in gouache and acrylic, but I scan all that in so that if you didn't want an original painting, there might be a product that that would work on and I license my art. Okay. So, um, oh, Ringo. <laughs> uh, so I have uh, art that I can license to products and my goal is to get it on products that inspire imaginations and encourage creativity. Oh, okay. I like that. That's a nice little like elevator pitch almost like inspire your mission statement. <laughs> yeah, like when I got clear in my why, it was like spread joy, inspire imaginations, encourage creativity. Because when my kids started school, my oldest daughter, she is now in third grade, but when she started kindergarten, she hated school. She absolutely hated it. She still hates it to this day. And it's because they are not creative in schools. They don't really encourage kids have developed that creative mindset like when I was in kindergarten you had all the arts and crafts and it was fun and it's now they do worksheets and it's they're crushing that creativity mm-hmm. and so you know my her kindergarten teacher told me this story that really broke my heart she said kids used to fight over who got the next tissue box the unopened tissue box because they could put their valentine's cards their collections they right. can make something with that tissue box and then she said she remembers the day that she started throwing them away kids weren't asking for the tissue box They're i never not, thought about that but that's the same yeah. my mom's a teacher so i grew up with a creative home life regardless just because my mom's a teacher but i totally remember the days of just like designing your own valentine's box or making like a guitar with some like rubber bands right. out of the tissue box or you know whatever and i i was um i found some tapes from some cassette tapes from my video camera from like when I was in fifth and sixth grade like I love to make little home movies that was my big favorite thing to do with my stuffed animals my Barbies and it's so funny that I do photography now because that's right. like how I, I started a lot yeah yeah that's... and just looking at the props in my like home movies of like okay so like mother goose the stuffed animal is on the skateboard and that's her stage and then like so I'm filming her on the stage of the skateboard and then there's like a Kleenex box next to her and that's like with the rubber ducks on yes. top of and that's like the pedestal and it was so funny watching it this is like a month ago. I was watching these and I'm like, wow, like I really was so creative with the things I had in my room. And you're, I think you're right. Like not to, you know, I don't have kids and not to like be part of like the giant noisy discussion of like everyone yeah, on the iPad. Yeah, but you can see like the, but the it's kids true. are on the, the screens. It's so when true. I go to the doctor's office, I don't let them on my phone. I usually give them a doodle book and some colors. Yeah. The twistable colors that they can keep in the car. And so they've kind of grown up. And the good thing is they can entertain themselves. Like yeah. whenever they're bored, they'll just go, they have an art table, they have access to all the supplies and they just make stuff. Yeah. And I'll throw like recycled items or bottle caps or whatever in a bu- in a bucket and they'll, they'll make stuff with them. Yeah, well that's so much of my joy and interest in art came yeah. from doing that when I was younger. And even up to like high school, like making different sculptures with like existing 
you know, metal materials. I have this, like, sculpted, um, like, this man I made out of, like, recycled, like, washers and wire and, like, soda pop cap, um, yeah. tabs. And that was even, like, in high school. And I don't even know if they're doing that now. They're, they're just not doing as much. And it's really heartbreaking because you'll give kids, like, the most they'll come home with is a coloring sheet. And that's not encouraging creativity. So that's why I try to design these doodle sheets and I'll give them away. Um, each month I try to do a new one so it's a prompt so it's not a blank page because a blank page can be intimidating you it's give a kid a, overwhelming, a blank page yeah. right so uh, that's why I love doodle books and I love creating these doodle pages is because it gives them that prompt like turn these leaf shapes into animals or add some hair to this unicorn or yeah. something to start from so that they have a spark of an idea and then they can use their creativity to come up with something and and they're not boxed in like they're not uh, not that there's anything against directed drawing but when they have art in schools that's what they do it's like we're all going to draw the same thing and here's mm -hmm. how to do it and then the kids are looking over at their neighbor and seeing oh they did better than me or they're you know they're comparing and they're only in first grade or kindergarten so they should be encouraged to just create for the sake of creating and enjoy the process and not worry about whether they're doing it right or wrong or yeah yeah so there, there's a few myths that uh, really changed my mindset. Like I used to think that I couldn't draw without looking at something. Like you're not a real artist if you have to look at something to draw. It's supposed to just come from your imagination, which is just not true. Like most artists, whether they admit it or not, use some sort of reference from material, whether mm -hmm. they're you know, going out in nature and seeking items to look at, or they're taking pictures, or they're just pulling color schemes from different things. I mean, a lot of times artists will, and I do this too, is create an inspiration board where mm -hmm. I'll pull images of the object so I know what shape it needs to be, the colors that I want it to be, and the, the styles that I'm going for, and I'll pull all that together into one piece of original art. So it's not like I'm copying a, a Disney character or something, but- Right, but you're getting inspiration. Right, you're it's still how getting inspiration. Made, yeah. yeah, it goes back to that like, old cliche of like you know it's all been done before but it's so true because like everything's already been done so the best you can do is just take the things that make you happy and create right. your own thing out of it and maybe it already exists somewhere but who cares like you did it your yeah, way exactly yeah. so do you I guess this probably answers your question that or I mean answers my question that you just said that like you use your children as like guinea pigs basically for the things you're making because you're getting right. ideas from their they, school I mean they inspire me every day with the stuff that they do and it's so exciting and that's why I even created a I have my two Instagrams I got my Mandy Porta with my art but then I also have at Raising Creative Girls and that's where I show their art and what they're doing and and just tips of how to raise creative kids yeah so you only have girls yes so is that where that that, that is why my art is very girly because I have two girls and seven nieces we have no boys wow in the family so everything's very girly so has that I mean I guess your Instagram handle is Raising Creative Girls but has that affected your your content like are you making things like kind of skewed more towards I mean, young I, girls I, the tips can apply to anybody you just mm -hmm. change the subject matter and I, and I do mention that but my the projects we do are very girly so you might not be interested in it if you just have boys so yeah. I do call it raising creative girls actually raising creative kids was taken so okay. raising creative girls just made sense for me especially for my art it's very feminine and bright and colorful and girly so I love unicorns and mermaids and all that <laughs> so we kind of talked about this before we started recording the podcast um but how did you figure out what your why was like I know a lot of creatives struggle with why they do what they do and why is it a business overall like right why isn't it just something that you like versus like what made you want to turn it into a business 
Right. Well, I uh, took a course, and it really asked you a lot of those questions, like if there was something you could change about the world, what would it be? And that's when I was struggling with this creativity, the lack of creativity in schools issue, and I thought, like, what could I do with my skill set to solve that problem or help with that Mm -hmm. problem? And so my why is to spread joy, inspire imaginations, and encourage creativity. And answering all these questions about, you know, what I was passionate about and what my skill set was helped me to come up with that mission. And then I also have the personal mission is I want a business that is that prioritizes family, that okay. is flexible, and that I can do when my kids are at school. Because overall, I want to be there for them when they're home from school. I'm helping them with their homework, and I don't want a job that's going to affect those hours of uh, afternoons and weekends. So building a business built for life, and uh, yeah, so. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I think even I still struggle, like, why am I doing this? Right. You know, like, I like doing this, but why don't I just do it for fun? Why did I turn it into a business? Like, what was the, you know, the mindset behind right. that? And it, it can be hard when you're in the weeds because you're kind of just, like, in the grind of doing it, and you'll just wake up one day and you're like, why am I even doing this? And so it's good to, I think, right. you know, I, in on your why. And I had a previous business that uh, I did it all the wrong way. So oh, okay. Success Designs, I was designing marketing materials and websites for small businesses, And that was, I think we hear this story a lot with entrepreneurs, is they start out doing what they think is practical and what everybody tells them to do. And then they start thinking about what they love from their childhood, and they start a business around that. And so that was definitely my story. I was always arts and and craftsy person. My mom, there's, she's very crafty. There's not an aisle in Hobby Lobby that she hasn't bought something from. Like, Mm -hmm. she's tried it all. And so... I was so excited to take art in middle school and through high school, but whenever it came to decide on that college major, it's like you can't get a job if you major in art, or you know, you're told that you have to be an art teacher if you do that. So I majored in information systems and decision sciences, which was exactly as boring as it sounds. <laughs> so after a year of doing that, I actually switched to advertising. Okay. And I minored in business because a lot of the credits were in business mm-hmm. school. So, and I never intended to start my own business, but I just happened to have a minor in business. And so I worked for a couple of technology companies, the last of which kind of ruined me from wanting to work for anybody else. Uh, the company morale was really low and I had a really smug boss. And so I, you know, I would go home crying at night. Mm-hmm. So I ended up just quitting without another job lined up. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll just take this business full time and develop marketing materials and for small businesses. And I was kind of just taking everything that would come my way whether I like to do it or not, I wasn't really motivated to do the work because I was just taking you know, clients that didn't really light me up. But whenever I was going after work, I was thinking, well, who's going to pay me? Who's going to have consistent work? And I wasn't really thinking about what lights me up, what's going to make Ringo. me happy. <laughs> Sorry, I put my Halloween decorations up yesterday, and Ringo is very intrigued by the pumpkins and everything else. Hey, no. Um, well, okay, so going back to what you were saying about doing what you assume is practical, what everyone thinks you should be doing. This reminds me of, um, I went to, I'm actually, I'm such a nerd, I'm wearing the t-shirt from the conference. Uh, <laughs> this conference, the Crop Creative Conference. I've been to one of them, yeah. Yeah, I, um, do, did you go to this past one? No, nah, okay. it was one of the first, but maybe the second one they did. Ringo, you're going to have to chill out. He's jingling and jangling everywhere. <laughs> um, I was selling my merchandise at this past one, so I didn't get to see 99% of the conference, but I snuck in for, you know, popped my head in for, like, one of the speakers, and it happened to be this graphic designer or, you know, hand-lettering artist 
um, Laura Home or Hom, I don't know how you say her name. I'll have to link her in the show notes. But she had this whole, you know, presentation and story about how she was, you know, doing hand lettering, signage, and, you know, things that she was good at. But then she had a couple personal projects that she had on her Tumblr for fun, and it was kind of silly things like she hand lettered something about, like, money for tattoos and put it on a mason jar and photographed it. And it was, like, this funny thing on Tumblr, you know, to put, like, your change in. Yeah. And, and so she said years later, I think it was, like, Bank of America or somebody saw it and, like, hired her to do commercial work for a giant campaign they were doing about saving money for millennials. And so she got to hand letter all these little things on jars for this giant commercial campaign for Bank of America. And she said that it paid her rent for a year, whatever That's it was awesome. that paid. Yeah. And it all started, her whole point of the conversation was like, sometimes the stuff that you do for you that is fun to you ends up being the stuff people want to see from you. Right. Even if you're spending 90% of the time focusing on things that you think people want to see, sometimes it's this, the 1% of the thing that you did for fun that ends up becoming what you're known for or becoming your most successful thing. And it was a whole conversation about side projects and personal projects and why you should be pursuing them because it's just so interesting what the public, what you think the public wants might not be what right, it wants. Right, And uh, there's an art agent, Little, Lilla Rogers, she always says, people buy your joy. So like the, the oh, yeah. thing that you love to do, it shows through. And so people will buy your joy. They love that. Yeah, and I thought I thought that was so eye-opening because we spend all of our time spinning our wheels being like, okay, for me, I'm like, okay, people want photos. Like, they want photos of their kids. They want photos of a graduation. Oh, they want T-shirts. They want LSU game day shirts. They want this. And so I do all that, but then I take cell phone pictures of bathrooms for a year and so this stupid thing, and everyone's so invested in that. And I'm like, what the – this wasn't <laughs> what I thought you wanted to see. Like, yeah. I thought – like, who wants to see pictures of bathrooms? Well, apparently people do. So it's like you, the stuff that you don't think will be – successful kind right. of ends up being successful so, so just do this so just do it right just do it anyway and yeah it might work out honestly your shirt says yeah. do it makes you happy <laughs> and that's the first thing I saw when you walked in because I'm like that's similar to do what you want and I love it because it's just that message is just, just like people might hate it or love it but who cares like right might as well just go for it exactly because you really never know so how does that work into play with your old business versus your new business so with my new business, I'm being very clear on what my mission is. So if a project comes along and say they have $10,000 and they want me to design a website for an engineering firm, I'm going to say no because it doesn't align with my mission and it's not something that I enjoy doing. So it, just getting clear on your why will help you to say no and then there, a yes might come up mm-hmm. because you said no to that. And so. I'm just focusing on, you know, doing the things that I love and hoping that eventually it'll be profitable, Mm -hmm. but um, it's worth it to me. It's worth it. I'd rather, you know, and and I feel like I'm moving like a snail sometimes, Yeah. but I'd rather, once I reach my goals, be in a place of calm and rest and happiness than like stressing to hurry up and make it happen and just uh, coming out of of a place of stress and overwhelm. Yeah, that's what I always say, like if... If you're going to go into business for yourself, especially as a creative, you better be doing what you want because if not, then it's already too hard to do when you do love it. So if you don't love it, then you might as well go work at like Starbucks (laughs) or something. Like I was having trouble, like I could have got a lot more clients in my other business, except I didn't want the work. It's like, oh, if I get another client, I have to do another website that I don't want to do. And at that point, you might as well just go work anywhere right? because what's the point? It's too time consuming and stressful and soul crushing to have your own business so if you don't like what you're doing then like there's really no need for you to be going through all that struggle you exactly. could just go not like what you do 
and get paid on someone else's dime and then like clock out at five o'clock, you yeah. know? Um, and I think that's why it's so funny because people always say like, if it was easy, then everyone would do it. And right. It's so true. And I think as a perfectionist or recovering perfectionist, I like to call myself, oh. is like you, you want everything to be perfect before you start. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned is that sometimes you just have to go for it before you're ready and yeah. you'll get, you'll learn as you go along. Like even when I used to paint, I used to draw it all out perfectly, trace it on my canvas or my paper and then color in the lines. But I find that now if I just, you know, throw color on the canvas and use my intuition picking colors as I go, like it, it still comes out great and it, that there's beauty in imperfection. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to be perfect. Like even I teach hand lettering classes and I never thought like I'm an expert at hand lettering. I should teach classes. Like somebody asked me and it's like, you know, I don't really... You know, yes, I do hand lettering for my art, but I don't feel like I'm an expert. And they're like, do it anyway. Fake it till you make it. And so yeah. I did it, and it turned out I do have stuff to share that I can help a beginner out because there's knowledge that they don't know that I don't know. So I can help people even though I'm not really ready or I yeah. feel ready. I don't think you ever really feel ready to no. do something. And I think it's funny because I thought the same things because I have online workshops, and it took me forever to launch them and also forever to launch my podcast. And I'm typically... Well, once I decide I want to do it, I'm very fast. I'm a fast launcher. Like, I'm the 700 kinks. I'll figure it out. I'm like, oops, sorry. Like, I'm not afraid to embarrass myself, really, because that's just kind of part of my branding is that, like, I just figure it out. But until I get to that point, I spend forever trying to decide, like, if it's going to be good. Yeah, sometimes you just get stuck in that planning phase. Yeah, and so with my workshops, the biggest holdup I had was, like, who's going to, like, want to buy this? What if they already know it? They don't want to pay for this. What if they already know the information or... You know, I'm not an expert. Maybe I don't do this perfect. What if people hate my, what I do and maybe I just think I'm good at it and all these people <laughs> think I'm just terrible at it and, like, why would they pay for it? And then all it takes is, like, knowing that all you have to do is know, like, 1% more than the person who's going to buy from you. Right. Or take from you right. or learn from you. I mean, if mean by the, the best. time you're an expert, it's going to be hard to teach a beginner because you're not going to remember all those struggles and exactly. first steps. And that was what was so funny about my workshops was that, like, I'm making all this content and videoing it and it's – so hard it's like building a website you're like how do I map out the the table of contents if you will of like what's first yeah. and chicken and egg and you know if I do this then do I teach them that and then it's kind of like I know when I'm playing my website stuff I'm like okay well if I put a link here and then I drop down here like does it make sense from you know it's like mapping and I gave um the course to some of my friends who don't do photography at all who have terrible Instagrams like just whatever <laughs> and just gave it to them to try and a lot of them told me, like, whoa, I've never, like, played with brightness and contrast. I didn't know what that meant and stuff like that. Right, and I'm like, for right. me, that is literally the most elementary thing. I almost didn't go over it in my course because I figured right. everyone well, knew. And I've heard this said, like, what's duh to you is mind-blowing to others. Exactly. Yeah. And it was a huge pivotal moment because I was like, if this is how – if this is my audience and they don't even know those, I could have broken this workshop up into 17 workshops, literally. Like, because to me, I'm like, this is easy, and then here's how yeah. you do it. And so it's so funny because you really, just because I'm still learning stuff all the times too, and I'm buying courses from other people, but all you have to do is know a little bit more than the person that you're trying to, you know, right. give and it to. Uh, Bonnie Christine is a, a very uh, popular service pattern designer, and she has ta- talked about this. Like, as she learns something, she teaches her audience, and then she learns something new, and she teaches her audience, and that's how she's built her following and built a successful, profitable mm-hmm. business by you know, teaching as she goes along, as she figures things out. Yeah, because it's fun to learn. Like, when I learn something new, I want to show people how I learned it. And yeah. whoever showed me how to do it, you know, probably had to learn it from someone else. So it's just like that, like, ripple effect. But um, 
going into that, what is surface pattern design? I don't even know if I know what that is, technically. Okay, so surface pattern design, once I discovered what it was, I got so excited and started taking all the courses in the podcast, but basically, it's the patterns that you see on objects all around you. You can look at fabric, all the patterns that are on fabric, on backpacks and purses, and and it doesn't necessarily have to be a pattern. It might just be an illustration on a shirt. Like all that is considered surface pattern design. And I used to think when you walk into the store and you see a design that you had to work for that company to have your art on their products. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I never wanted to move. And so I didn't think that that was a possibility. But what I learned is that a lot of those companies license their art. So they will pay a commission anytime they sell a product with your art on it. And of course, now you can just email everything. You don't have to work for the company. Um, so it's it's a huge industry that is really exciting to, to learn about. Um, and so I've, I've designed patterns that have been in card making and paper craft magazine where you know, scrapbookers can tear it out and make stuff with it, which is really cool. And then I'm working with a fabric company to come out with a fabric line. Um, it's supposed to be in the UK, and it's got my patterns on it. But even if you don't like license your art, you can do it for yourself. Like mm-hmm. my home is filled with my art now, which is really cool. Um, Spoonflower is a company that prints y- designs on fabric. You just upload your design, and they print it on fabric. So I cl- I created this whole mermaid collection for my kids, printed it on fabric, and thank goodness I have a mom that can sew, and she made a comforter. That's amazing. And I, I had a rug made on Society6. You can upload your designs mm-hmm. and print I've it used on them products. before for like yeah. phone cases and stuff. Yeah. yeah, so you can fill your home with your art, which is really, really cool, and I have pillows too, so... That's awesome. So would you say Spoonflower? Spoonflower is the fabric company. I'm going yeah. to link that because that's really interesting because I, I always wonder how that works. And I would love to talk more about licensing if you're comfortable with it because in photography it's similar. Like if I do photography for a company, like a big company, and they want to use my photos for 10 years on their menus and their billboards and whatever, it's not the same as if you hire me to take pictures of your kids for your Christmas right, card. exactly. Because in reality my imagery is – getting them business it's making them money so therefore I need to be compensated for that yeah in addition to the time it took me to do so it's different and a lot of photographers I think undervalue that and businesses really value imagery right and so it's, it's the same with original art you might mm-hmm. buy my painting for only two hundred dollars for your wall but if you wanted to use that on your product you're gonna have to to pay, pay more. more than that right yeah, and so people I'm still learning, like whenever I'm licensing things or like quoting for licensing, businesses are still just so confused. They're like, wait, so. Well, I don't think this market really knows. Right. I'm learning Baton Rouge is a little behind. We're always behind in everything, yes. Yes. Um, And so the bigger the company, the more they seem to get it because they have marketing budgets. But, you know, a small business, like if they want to use one of my photos for like a magazine ad, I'm like, well, you are paying the magazine to put that in there. You need to pay me for the photo. <laughs> and so the people are always so, like, stumped. Like, what? Like, I thought I paid you to do to take the photo. I'm like, yeah, to, for my time, but you didn't yeah, pay for the photo. So, And so <laughs> I'm always interested in licensing conversations because what you do is different than what I do, but not so different. And it's also kind of the same as, like, I think about songs, like music. So if you buy a song for 99 cents on iTunes – that doesn't mean you can use it in your commercial for your company. Right. You have to license it. Right. And that makes sense in the music world, but people don't think about artwork as the same. And it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, and the thing about licensing is they're not 
it's not a work for hire, so they don't own the images. You own the copyright, and right. so you can license, like I can license the same pattern to a fabric company as a company that makes backpacks mm -hmm. because it's different industries. And as you long own the copyright. Yeah, I own the copyright, and so you can potentially, you know, it's very scalable. You can potentially make a lot on the same pattern by licensing it to a lot of different industries. Mm -hmm. you know, stationery, home decor, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there. Has any one ever tried to have you sign a contract stating that like it was an exclusive? Um, both of the contracts I've done are non-exclusive, which is yeah. great. But the, you might, well, the fabric company is exclusive to fabric, so I can't okay. license that to it's another like non -compete fabric. It's a non-compete kind of, yeah. Right. Okay. And so uh, contracts can get kind of crazy. You really have to read the details to see how long does this last. Like, when do they need to renew the contract? Or, um, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. I, um, I'm just so happy to talk to someone else <laughs> who has the same thing because I'm just sitting at home by myself, like, trying to throw numbers at these big companies and it's just hard to figure out yeah, what you're and worth. It's, it's a long what? game because like this fabric company, I licensed designs this year, I probably won't get paid a dime until you know right. a year because right. they have to manufacture it, they have to ship it out to their retailers and Yeah. So and that, I mean game. that's even longer than me. I mean, but still I always talk about the bigger the company I work for, the harder it is to get paid. Right. Like, you'll be getting paid more, but essentially it won't even matter anymore because by the time you get the money, you've already probably spent it or needed it, like, six months ago. Yes. And people always tell me, well, you know, you just need to, like, not give them their photos till they pay you. I'm like, that's not how it works with these, like, commercial <laughs> companies. Like, I don't have the upper hand in that. Yes. Um, and it's worth it, but like you said, it's a long game. And so going back and forth with licensing and quoting and trying to figure out what's, like, fair is so hard for me when I'm just sitting here by myself. Like, it's just me for my right. business. I'm trying to do market research. I'm trying Trying to find out what the industry standard is. I'm learning Baton Rouge is like a fourth of whatever the industry standard quote <laughs> yes, should be. Yes. And so, I mean, some of these people's full-blown marketing budgets is the cost that I should be charging for one photo. And so it's hard for me. To, I'm just kind of like, I don't want to sound like I'm making it up, but I'm really just making it up as I go based on what the budgets are and what the project is and what feels comfortable for me. Right. Um, and, and it can be and hard. that's not information that just people just throw out there. Like exactly. They don't, they don't want to admit nobody, their numbers. And, yeah, nobody yeah. knows. And, and companies don't know, and it's all kind of the Wild West. And so it's it's nice to know that other people in other industries have the same Right. And see, I have on. no idea how much I'm going to make off of this fabric line. I just, because it's a commission. Right. And I don't know how much it's going to sell. And so it's just, you try it out, see yes. what it brings in, and... So Keep do you, forward. in those situations, get paid up front to even make it at all? Or is it kind of just a risk you take? You make it, you license it, and then you hope that you get a yeah, profit it's, from it's, it? Yeah, exactly. More of a risk. But yeah. you're making stuff that you love as opposed right. to somebody hiring you to do exactly what they want. Right. That's that's similar in photography. So if someone hires me to do photography for, like, they've paid me to make these photos of these places, of these things, with these models that they brought. Mm -hmm. But then they're licensing those photos for them. It's not exclusive. I, you know, negotiated that in my contract to be able to, if I wanted to sell the photos to someone else, I could. It wouldn't make yeah. much sense because they were tailored to that project. But if I but take a picture of someone's do. dog in the street and right. some company wants to, you know, buy this picture of this dog, like, no one hired me to do it. I just did it. And so that's, yeah. like, kind of the fun, exciting part of the licensing game is that you can just be making all this work that you like or off, off the cuff for right. fun, and it might end up being you know, very profitable. Exactly. For no so every, everything I paint, I either scan or photograph because you never know when it might right. be useful later. Right. I've had companies email me and be like, hey, do you have any photos of like X, Y, or Z in your library of images? And I'm just kind of like, okay, well, what did I not sign a contract for? What do I have photos of that aren't already being used? What's not exclusive? And then I send them over and they might want to buy them. And so it's like, yeah. maybe I took that picture walking downtown off of, you know, 
on a whim, didn't think it was going to be anything, yeah. or put it on Instagram. And so licensing can be really profitable and fun that way because you get that creative freedom. But I feel like a lot of creatives don't know that's a, a industry thing that exists. Yeah. For them to well, do. that's why as soon as I heard about it, I took all the courses, took all the, yeah. you know, bought the books, read the podcast. I had like a year of learning. And then the next year was the year of like catching up on all the courses I started. And Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm bad about one. buying courses and then like forgetting to take them. Or not forgetting, but like I get so caught up in like the sale of it. Like I'm yeah. being sold. Like I'm looking <laughs> at it and I'm like, this is amazing. It's going to change my life. And then I buy it and I'm like, okay, next week when I have a free day, I'm going to start. And then like I never take <laughs> it. So I have a couple of courses I need to finish. I have one on MailChimp I got to finish. I have one about Facebook ads I need to finish. I have one about um, influencer marketing I need to finish. So Right. I mean, I get so excited about all the courses. And then it's like, well, I have to make art if I want to have anything to sell. Like, So you get back on the hamster that, wheel. Yeah, yeah. Having that advertising background, I think, makes me more excited than most artists about the marketing side. Yeah, and same like, here. Yeah, so I don't have the background, but I'm also yeah, interested yeah. in that. Yeah. And so it's like. Well, I got to make the art if I want to have anything exactly. to sell. <laughs> I always say I could run a photography business so well if I didn't have to take any photos. Right. Like, honestly, like, the problem is that I have to take the photos, edit the photos, market the photos, but everything else that goes into yeah. it, I could do so well if I didn't do yeah, anything And I'm else. sure people look at, like, us and think, or, like, me, like, oh, she's a stay-at-home mom. She gets mm-hmm. to paint. How sweet. You know, but they don't see all the the back-end stuff and all yeah. the marketing and all that time you put into putting up social media posts and yeah, I, I did an exercise actually just the other day where I'd been meaning to and I've talked about it on this podcast, I'm pretty sure before, but my friend Taja Harmony, she's a photographer in town, she had told us this idea months ago about like Marie Kondoing your business. Basically, you know, get note cards, write every single thing that you can think of that comes to mind off the top of your head that you do for your business, put them on the floor and call it. Basically put them in groups, figure out what you can delegate, figure out what you can stop doing, figure out what you love the most. And I legitimately took like less than five minutes and I came up with 40 things. And I was like, oh my gosh. And it filled this whole table. <laughs> I took a picture of it and I posted it because I'm like, you're right. People think like you work from home or you take, you took that picture of Lil Wayne. That's so cool. Was he nice? And like one, didn't talk to him. Two, had to edit the pictures that night. Like three, had to pay for parking, had to drive home. It was yes. too late again. They would do the next day. Like, and <laughs> probably even didn't get paid for it, you know? And so it's like, there's so many things that go into what we do that might look cool but you don't know that I have to like report my sales tax every month on the 20th. You don't know that I have yes. to, you know, schedule blog posts and edit this podcast. Like I have to spend an hour interviewing someone, then I have to spend an hour listening to it, then I have to spend like another 30 minutes like editing it, uploading it, doing right. the show and notes, getting wanna, it out. They want to pay you for your time to take the photos and they don't think about, well, you have to right and process and them. also yeah. it's like you think about a, a company just like your average company it makes a certain amount of money a year that money is dispersed amongst everyone who does a different job when you work for yourself you are doing all those jobs so you get all the money so yes people are like wow that's expensive to hire you like what are you doing like but i'm not living large like <laughs> yeah. it's split up amongst all the things i have to do and i'm doing it myself versus like a exactly. team of 10 so i mean sometimes whenever you calculate all your hours like man i'm not even making minimum wage by the time you calculate exactly all this. exactly yeah. and someone the other day asked me how many hours a week I work and I told him I have no idea because it's never off like I never turn off like I yeah sometimes I'm on my computer and I'm like I am physically working this amount of time but when I'm not on the computer I'm talking to you I'm right I'm out on my Instagram stories doing something or I'm at a networking event there is no such this. thing as yeah. like how many hours a week I work I work 24 hours a day <laughs> like, <laughs> whether or not it's like manual labor um doesn't mean my brain's not like spinning yeah, like so. the time I, it takes me to take to paint a painting is mm-hmm. not all that goes into it. You know, yeah. I've got to photograph the painting and market it. And yeah. yeah. Well, so the note card exercise is really great because 
I mean, I know I do all these things, but I'm not a very structured person in terms of like, um, okay, from 10 to 11, I'm going to like report my sales tax. 11 to 12, I'm going to record the podcast. 12 to 1, I'm going to upload the blog post. <laughs> I just like somehow stay on top of most things at like as they come. I don't know. I just kind of do it. So I don't really put into perspective how many things I am actually doing because it's kind of just like on the fly, mm-hmm. you know, every day. So once I wrote it all down, I was like, oh this is stupid. <laughs> like, why am I doing 40 things on like a regular basis? And so I, um, I kind of put them into different categories based on like, you know, what makes money that I like, what doesn't make money that I don't like, what right. makes money that I don't and like. And what we're taking doesn't... Shanna Skidmore. She does that too. Exactly. Like, what's well, that's income, what I was doing. Yeah. What's yeah. income producing and what's not income producing. Yeah. We're both taking, um, that's kind of how we connected too. Yeah. Is we're both taking the same kind of online course right now, um, by Shanna Skidmore, which is supposed to help figure out your business like it's kind financial of an audit. planning for creatives yes yeah. because I, I you know majored in art and I don't have a financial planner yes. and I can't probably afford to have a financial <laughs> planner so um it's kind of a great online course to get it and check but that was part of that day was just trying to like wrap my head around like oh gee out of the 40 things I really only like doing four of them and those four things actually make money everything else is kind yeah. of just like what am I even doing it for so <laughs> it was really eye-opening to do so I definitely encourage everyone to write everything they do on a note card and then put them into four categories. So yeah, um, that was hard. But yeah, like you said, people just think we're staying at home, like chilling. Just having fun. Some yeah. days I am. And I forget that I have to sometimes because I work a lot on weekends. Like I shoot events. Like if I shoot the LSU football game, that's hard work. If I edit the photos on Sunday, I'm still working. So maybe on a Tuesday I'll, you know, watch four hours of Netflix. And I feel so guilty <laughs> and weird about it. But then I remember like everyone else was doing this on Saturday. So right. it's hard to balance that. Yeah, you have to take time for yourself and take breaks. And when I go on vacation, I do not check email. I mean, I might check my email. I'm not going to respond to it. I'm not going to post on social media. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to have that break every now and then to kind of refresh your mind. And yeah. Well, I think back to when I was working 9 to 5. Like, when I clocked that at 5, if someone needed something at 6, like, I'm like, we'll get to it tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. And it's different when we're creatives. For some reason, we feel like we have to deal with it right then. Um, but that's not how the real world works. That's right. You can set I mean, your own hours, and you just have to stick to them. Yeah. Most people will Most people will respect <laughs> that. I won't say all. Yeah. Um, some clients are not as respectful of that. But then sometimes I get to, it's like the other way around, where I get to, like, well, I'm not responding because I'm doing this, and, like, four days will go by, and I still haven't responded to the email. And I'm like, okay, I need to probably <laughs> figure this out. Right. Yeah. Right, and then I, I started having a planner that has the hours listed because when I really look at my schedule, well, the kids are only in school this long. Why do I have, like, ten things on my list? Like, I'm not going to get to all those. So yeah. if you really look at how much time you have and Make start, realistic. start making a realistic plan, yeah. I did that yesterday. Like, I I don't – I can't read my handwriting, for one, <laughs> honestly. I'm very fast at typing, but I, there's something about writing a list – checking it off I stick to that I've yeah, always I still done that. like my hand my planner that I write by hand yeah and like I have it's a notebook somewhere over here and it's like I don't every page is just like a new to-do list that's what the whole <laughs> book is but for some reason I really like writing it down checking it off and that's how I've been at every job I've ever had even in school and I'm so stupid and like I'll write 45 things on my to-do list knowing fully well I have like two hours today yeah. like you said and I need to get better about making realistic to-do lists because then I feel so you know, down, like, I didn't accomplish anything. Right. But it's but so much better. you got to prioritize. Like, if I only could do three things, like, what are the mm-hmm. top three? And then prioritize those. And then everything ex- extra is bonus, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. some extra stuff. Do you do time blocking at all? 
Um, not really. I mean, I, in my calendar, I know how many hours I have, and I'll write down what I plan to do that day. But it's very general. It's not like 30 minutes, I'm going to yeah, do this. Same. Take a break. 30 more minutes. I'm some people do this. work that yeah, way, though. Like, do. I know this one blogger, um, she has this, it's like a, a die or dice or whatever, and it's got numbers on it, and she'll roll it, and then it's like, five minutes and she'll pick something and do five and she does that all day because it forces you to like okay 20 minutes all right which which one of these things send you in 20 minutes and it makes your day kind of more of a right a game almost like a challenging like and well i'll game, have what, what i call duty day so like on a monday usually mondays are my duty day where i'm i'm not really making art but i'm getting all that stuff off my snagging list that i keep putting inside mm-hmm. done like i'll uh, update the website or or figure out what I'm going to do on social media that week or pay the sales tax Mm -hmm. or you know all those kind of things and then I know the rest of the week I can focus on making art or yeah uh, yeah so it's good to kind of have certain days for different things like this is going to be my marketing day this is going to be my painting days yeah I need to figure that out better it's hard (laughs) for me because so much of what I do is dictated by clients right I have like this one shoot right now where we've had to reschedule four times so I keep blocking off a certain day for that knowing that I'll have to do that but then it frees up so I'm like oh that's a free day now that I can do x y and z on but um I'm really bad about like oh I'm just gonna get on my computer I'm just gonna answer emails and like I kid you not like eight hours will go by and I've like redesigned (laughs) my website and I've like email is such a distraction yeah like I'll go oh I'm just gonna check it real quick but then you're on there for two hours later you're reading all this yeah, or I'm like on it's Facebook sent, and I'm looking at an article, a link and, and you're reading. Yeah, exactly. And it happens every time, and I don't know how I've not learned yet. But especially because I like to work in the morning and in the day, I try to be done by like four or five. Because if my boyfriend right. gets and off I have work, because kids, right? Because you have kids. Yeah. Well, my boyfriend and I don't live together, but when he gets off work, I'd like to go see him, or we might go get dinner, or we might hang out, we might watch TV, we might take the dog for a walk, whatever. Yeah. And so I really try to be done when like the rest of the world is done, <laughs> if I don't have an event to go shoot. But if there's days where he's like, oh, I got a football game tonight and watch him with my friends, I'm just like, oh, I'm going to work on my computer. <laughs> yeah, and every I time too. I go to bed, like, at 2 in the morning, I'm like, why is this happening? I know better. I used better. to do this every night. I, I know better. I had to wake up and get the kids to school, but I was staying up to 1 or 2, and it's like, this is crazy. I'm cranky. I'm not a good mom because mm-hmm. I'm yelling at my kids because they're not listening, and I'm just, I need my sleep. So I've kind of committed to going to sleep at 10 o'clock. Yeah. Just, I have to because yeah. otherwise I'm going to be cranky. because well, I always have good intentions. Snappy. Like, it's like, oh, it's 4 p.m. Like, I'm just going to get on, do this thing. And then I, right. it will be 2 in the morning, and I never got off the computer. I'm like, how have I not learned? <laughs> this happened last week. I was like, why do I do this? Yeah. Because I don't like working at night, and I know it because I get in a roll. I get so excited about whatever I'm doing, and then I end up. I accomplish a lot of weird, obscure things that, like, you know, loose ends that need to be tied up, like, Same oh, my here, SEO yes. here, whatever. It, things that need to be done, but I don't want to do them at night. I don't know why I got in right. the computer. I have to try to stop. Like, I'll, I'll check my email in the morning. I'll check it at lunch. Try not to check it at night. Sometimes I succeed. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't. But it's like, yeah. try not to check things right before you go to bed because Yeah, the self-discipline. Up, yeah. My self-discipline wavers. Like, sometimes I'm, like, really good about stuff, and other times it's just like, uh, I haven't answered an email in 13 days. I like, hope they don't care. Like... I don't know. It's hard to stay on top of all of it, but I try really hard. <laughs> There's just so much that goes into it. It's insane. Yeah, it really is. And people don't see that from the outside. Especially at all. like I'm trying to do so many different things. You know, I've got, I'm teaching courses, I've got doodle pages I'm designing, and I'm doing original art, and I'm licensed. Like I really need to, I'm experimenting right now, but eventually I need to focus. Like, what's the one thing I really want to do? I only have so much time. If I yeah. put all my energy into that, I'd go so much further. Well, that's kind of what I'm going through right now with the online course we're both taking is, like, I have always had my hand in too many things. And that's kind of been, like, a strength of mine, but also a weakness is that I'm 
I'm kind of spread thin because I have so many interests and I'm excited about lots of different things. Right. But in reality, what is making the most money? What is my best strength? Like, what should I be focusing on most? Um, so that way it doesn't take me 13 days to respond to an email, you know? <laughs> and it's hard for me to, to, to narrow that down because I want to try all these different things. Right. And I think that's just the struggle <clears throat> of a creative. You mm-hmm. just, you see all the, the things and you want to do them all. Well, like, and most of us are talented in more than one thing. Right. That's why we're creative. Right. And so it can be hard. <laughs> and it's hard for me. Just to, because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Right? right. So it's like not everything has to be a business. Right. Well, that's why it was so helpful doing that note card thing. Because it truly, I narrowed it down. There was four things I enjoyed doing that made money. There were about 13 things I enjoyed doing that don't make money. <laughs> and so that put it into perspective, like, okay, the four things Wait, I like. What can you do that fulfills a need? And Yes, the four things I like to do that make money were take photos, edit photos, make digital products, market digital products. I'm like, ding, ding, ding. I should only be doing that. <laughs> right. But these 13 things I enjoy doing, like the podcast and whatever, like this is not, this podcast has not been monetized in any way. So it's a huge time suck. It's right. really fun. It's a great networking tool. I enjoy doing it. But right now it's on the back burner if someone else you know wants to hire me for photos like I'll just you know make that happen first because this is not a priority but it's hard because there's so many things I enjoy doing that don't make money like I enjoy writing blog posts I enjoy designing merch and a lot of these things might make money in the future like I might sell the merch I might get affiliates on the blog but they're not technically income producing because you're not getting paid right and and I'm like well so how is it that I have three times as much that I like to do that don't get paid that don't make money than the things I do like that do pay me right like why did I spend you know two hours to write a social media post when I could have been painting I had a painting finished by now exactly (laughs) so it really I'm really glad I did that um that exercise because it I'm very visual obviously we're creative people (laughs) so putting it into perspective like that and then I put it into a little spreadsheet where it's like I just typed them up just because I can't read my handwriting and I don't need 40 note cards anymore. Like I did it to see it, but now I can throw them away. So I just needed to put it in a spreadsheet so it's truly like something that I can maybe move things around. Like, okay, this now makes money or this no longer makes money. And I really have to think about that. It's been a big, I feel like it's been a big couple of weeks since first of all, starting that course that we're both taking. And also just, I've had a couple of really good conversations on the podcast recently. My most recent one I just did was with Sarah Becker and she's a photographer and it was all about like managing your finances as a creative and she's like killing the game with that and I am not so that was a great kick <laughs> in the butt struggle with that yes. yeah and then I also I had um I do work at Manship Theater still I do one day a week they're doing graphic design and we had a staff retreat yesterday about like what it means to work there and as a team like what are the strengths and weaknesses of our team on the staff there and I just am so nerdy for like icebreakers and like little social things like that and it was just a great thing to put in perspective so I feel like the last couple of weeks have been like these giant like truth bombs coming at me and I feel very empowered to like sit down and figure out what the heck I'm doing, but it's still just intimidating. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, they get caught up in working their business and they don't sit and I like to do this a lot is have these big picture thinking days where mm-hmm. I'm just kind of, I have my planner every month and I'm thinking about what do I really want to do this month and you know what do I want to accomplish what's the priorities and a lot of people just they just keep all the emails come in and they keep responding to the emails and right. whatever it's, a, it's the same with life like do you want to just flow along and whatever happens to you happens or do you want to actually go for something and pick a destination and try to get there mm-hmm. or do you want life just to happen to you so and I've kind of I read this book called Freedom Seeker by Beth Kempton. Okay. She also has Wabi Sabi, which is like Japanese wisdom for a perfectly imperfect life. And pretty much anything that she's involved with, like I've taken a lot of her courses, is uh, has really been a mindset shift too of thinking like, 
take control of your life and do what you want, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, move your toward the goals that you want to reach instead of just waiting for somebody to come to you, right? Like mm -hmm. you don't just put your art there and hope somebody's going to want to buy it. You pitch your art to those companies and you put it out there. Um, like this podcast, you know, if you want to be on a podcast, ask to be on the podcast. Don't just hope that they're going to discover you. Mm -hmm. I... Um I really enjoyed the the Manship Theater retreat that we had yesterday because it was with this girl, Chelsea Harris, who currently works at this place called Success Labs, and they do, like, strategic planning for businesses and companies, whatever. And like I said, I'm a student council girl. I'm a sorority girl. I'm nerdy about all those types of, like, like I love icebreakers. I love breaking up with the teams and, like, <laughs> buzzwords. and blah, blah. Yeah. I'm so into that. But anyways, she had a really great prompt for us, and it was – Okay, and it was in terms of management theater as a team, but of course everything I'm learning there I'm taking into apply, account for my own yeah. business, you know? And it was, um, you break up in a group and it was like, okay, the, it's five years from now, management theater's on the front page of The Advocate, what does the headline say? And I thought that was so interesting because I'm like, we were like, oh, you know, like the Beatles perform at, you know, Manship with the holographic, you know, because the members are dead and so the holographic members are here and it's like this big thing. And it's only five years from now and it was kind of like obviously like overreaching. It was just like a fun thing. But it really got me thinking, what would be on the headline if I was on the front page in five years? I don't know. And it really was a great exercise to make you think about the future and create some sort of vision. Like, what are you even working towards? Right. Now, I don't even know what I'm working towards, honest to God. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm just kind of doing my thing and it's fun, but. It really got me thinking, so I still don't know the answer to that question, but it was a fun exercise to think, like, okay, five years from now, like, if you were on the front page of the paper, what would it say? Like, right. would it be something positive? Would it be something negative? Would it be... And when you have you know? that goal, you start to get out of your comfort zone, because if you ever want to make it there, like, I've got... I had a mantra this year, is I can do hard things, and... Um, That's our, a good one. We picked, like, you know how you do the word of the year? Yeah. Well, my business word of the year was focus. I have not uh, really focused at mm -hmm. all. It hasn't worked out. But I picked a family word of the year, and our family word of the year was brave. And, you know, my kids were learning how to ride bikes without training wheels and doing a lot of these brave things. But it's really resonated with me. Like, I was brave enough to t teach my first class to adults. I t taught my first craft class to kids or being on this podcast or posting a video on Facebook like it's all stuff out of my comfort zone but you're not going to ever get out of your comfort zone unless you do it and the more you right. do it the more you're going to gain confidence in it and so right sometimes you just have to be brave and do it even before you're ready right I um I try to have like resolutions like I said last year I tried to have my resolution be like I will blog like every week and I and do my newsletter every week, and I pretty much stuck to it. I missed some weeks. This year, I've blogged like four <laughs> times, but it's because I'm, like, podcasting every week now, and so it's like I keep adding things to my plate, um, and I... Um, yeah, my goals are always shifting, because yeah. you know, somebody asked me to teach a class. Well, then, I wasn't planning on teaching this year, but it just happened, and so yeah, things get moved around. Well, my goal, too, has always been to do more video content. I mean, it's just so much work, and that's why I'm intimidated by it, because it's just... I don't like I'm I can control my image and pictures. I'm right. very particular about what's out of my face. I want to be photographed. I'm, I'm still terrified of Facebook Live. Cause yeah, <laughs> well, I, and I don't mind. I'm not like shy. I'll talk. I speak at events and stuff, but I'm very self conscious about the way I look or the way I might sound and just like I don't want it to be stupid and I don't want the audio to be bad. And that's why it took me so long to start my podcast because I was like, well, what if the technology isn't there and people think it's right. like, like ratchet, that like perfectionism. stupid, yes. right? And so with video, I'm kind of like, well, do I have the right? Do I have to use a mic? Like, if I edit it, what if it's not good enough? And so I've done more in the past, like, two years. Because I told you, like, when I was growing up, I played with the video camera. That was, like, 
pretty much my first love before photography was just like making stop motion films and like video and I always get asked like do you do video and I'm like no because I'm not confident in it <laughs> so it's been like on my resolution kind of goal list to like do more video and so I did one the other day like cleaning up my closet and it wasn't anything special but it took me like way too long to edit I spent like <laughs> way, I'm embarrassed to how long I spent trying to make it but it's because I don't know how to do things yet and so right. like you said you won't There's know until you curve. do it and then you practice and then it's you get faster and, then and you get better of, once you do Facebook live you really don't have to sit there and edit because whatever it right. is it is right, right. And so and I haven't done a live in a while I've done a couple and they've gone well I don't mind doing them I'm just like it's easier for me to make something that people can watch whenever they can versus like live where they have to be there right yes. then. Um, and then I'm also like that imposter syndrome kicks in. Like who has anything to ask? Like what <laughs> do I even have to offer? Like do they even have questions for me? Like what do they want to hear? Yes. And then they some they do. They just come, you know, but it's so intimidating to do it. It is. Because you're like, who am I? I and then when you sit there and record a video and edit it, then you're like, Oh, I didn't say that right. I stumbled on my words. Let me do it again. Yeah. It's like that undo button. Or you'll just be like, I'm just not going to do it at all. Like, <laughs> right, I've done that so many right. times where I'm like, you know, that takes I'm just going to delete it. It's been all day to record one thing. and Yeah. Yeah. yeah doing my workshops took a long time to make because it was a lot of that. And then since I've launched them, I haven't, like, watched them because I'm like, I don't want to, like, <laughs> and you know I, know I still I mean? cringe when I watch videos of myself. Yeah. Well, yeah. even the podcasts for a while, the first couple I was listening to. You notice all the little quirks of the, the words you say over and over and it's like, oh. Yeah. And I talk so <laughs> fast and I know that and I'm kind of, you know, down with embracing it because it's not like I'm going to really be able to change it that yeah. much. I'm 27. I feel like the way I talk is how I talk, you know. <laughs> and so I hear it and I don't want to hear it anymore so the first couple of episodes I re-listened to just to make sure it sounded good in the car make sure the audio levels were you know like quality yeah. control stuff but then I'll turn it off <laughs> and the other day I was with my friend Eric and we were driving back to New Orleans and he was like let's listen to one of your podcast episodes and I was like oh it's so weird so now I'm like listening <laughs> yeah, to my podcast to with myself. him in the car and I'm like this is so I awkward even my kids are like when I play a video of them that doesn't sound like me because you know you always yeah. sound different in your head than you do when somebody records you and yeah. so it's hard <laughs> but then like I think the only reason I can keep going with it is because I just put it out there and then I just don't right. touch it. I'm just like, it's it's there. Take I don't a deep even breath. It's up. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I have confidence that it was good when it happened, and I don't need to relive it. Yes. Ugh. I yeah. I need to do more video stuff. That's so time consuming and daunting. I know. For people who don't do, you know, like I I get the premise. I know what I'm doing ish, but I just still don't feel confident. Like right. I mean, videos. even the first videos. I mean, I just had my iPhone with the ear mm-hmm. buds that come with your iPhone plugged in, and so they're not like the greatest quality. But yeah, but if you have value, it, yeah, then at no least one cares. It was, right. Yeah, and that's what I've learned with the podcast too. Is that like this mic? It does a good job. Like Ringo might be loud in the background. Like someone might be mowing the lawn outside. Like someone might be upstairs, like making noise. I'm recording at my house. People know that. That's why I'd rather just like confront that in the podcast be like oh my dog is doing this instead of like trying to edit it and act like it's like this fancy thing because right. well, if people love that authenticity well that too. but if you're providing value like they're not going to care so much like I've heard podcasts with way worse audio quality than this and I've still just like loved it because of what they were talking right. about the, the content was good and, so yeah. um, it's those little things that trip me up because I, I want things to be as professional as possible but at the end of the day I'm just kind of like as long as <laughs> it's valuable hopefully people will forgive me you know right yeah so it's the same with Instagram. Like everybody wants their Instagram to look so pretty, and it's got to be perfect. But you know what? I just whatever I'm working on, I'm going to try to get the best picture I can get mm-hmm. and post it. Like I'm not going to sit there and make sure it looks perfect because I'm just trying to 
inspire others and add yeah. value. And well, that goes with your branding, too. So if that's your branding, that it's relatable, it's family-centric, like you're just trying to inspire people, it doesn't need to be, like, a Vogue shoot every time. Right, and, like, it, and that's what I'm trying to encourage. Like, it doesn't have to be a Pinterest-worthy project. Like, you mm-hmm. don't, your kids don't have to make something that you would see on Pinterest. Like, right. They can just make something and focus on the process and not the product. And whatever it looks like, I mean, I usually think it looks great, but it's not. it might not be what you would think of, like, oh, that's just they just threw some stuff together and slapped some glue on it or whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter because they enjoy the process and they're developing those problem-solving skills. Yeah, and also I feel like sometimes the things that I think are terrible, I look back later and I'm like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Like, <laughs> especially with, it's like photos of me every time. I'll have someone take a photo of me. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. I don't look at it. Six months later, I'll find it in my iPhone camera roll. I'm like, oh, that's not so bad of a picture. I'll post it. It's so interesting how, like, your perception changes yes. after, like, the immediate initial reaction, right. you know? And then there's just that, that beauty and imperfection. Like, you look at a dented up object one, instead of thinking, oh, I need to replace this. You think, oh, think about all the memories we made with this mm-hmm. thing. Or think about of all this has went through and just finding the beauty and the imperfection. Yeah. I think that really makes sense with your mission statement, it seems. Or, like, your, <laughs> um, your why that you talked about at the very right. beginning. Um, so what is next for you and your business? So I am... Uh, trying to narrow down my focus and focus on creating art that spreads joy, inspires imaginations, and encourages creativity. And so um, hopefully I'm doing all this experimenting. Hopefully it will hone down into one main thing that will help others and provide value to parents and kids. Mm -hmm. So, Did you mention that you were going to have some workshops coming up? Oh, I do have a hand lettering workshop um, at Art Academy. I teach hand lettering workshops. The next one is October 4th. Where's that at? It's in Prairieville at Art okay. Academy. Uh, it's a studio. It's an art studio for kids. And okay. we do adult classes there, too. And so hand lettering is the next one. So it's an adult class? It's an adult class. Okay. So if you're a beginner, you can come and learn. And uh, we're going to letter some fall phrases. So okay. fun. Well, where can everyone find you and keep up with your work and hire you for all their... Or not even hire you, but purchase whatever it is you have to offer. Right. So you can find me at mandyporta.com. I'm also on Instagram at mandyporta. Or at Raising Creative Girls. That's where I share my kids' art and inspiration for Raising Creative Kids. And then on Facebook, uh, Mandy Porta LLC and Raising Creative Girls there as well. Awesome. I'm going to link all that in the show notes as well as your workshop. And um, I hope everyone got something out of this and feels creative today yes. now. Go make something. <laughs> you made me want to go finger paint or something. Yes, do it. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for listening to Do What You Want Radio. As always, you can find all the tools and links that are referenced in this week's episode at dowhatyouwantradio.com in the show notes. If listening to this podcast has brought you any value at all, please take a moment to go subscribe, rate, and review Do What You Want Radio so that it can continue to reach creatives just like you and me. Doing this podcast is a lot of fun, but it takes a lot of work as well, and I do it all by myself. So I really appreciate those of you who keep listening week after week. You've already dedicated a lot of your time to listening to my voice, talking too fast probably, but if you're not tired of me yet, you can keep up with me, my photography work, and the creative services, products, and workshops I offer at jordanheffler.com and at jordanheffler on Instagram. If you want to be hardcore informed, subscribe to my weekly newsletter to get a free branding worksheet, as well as weekly tips and promotional offers for my digital products and merchandise like Lightroom presets, Instagram overlays, t-shirts, hats, and everything else you didn't know you needed. You can sign up at jordanheffler.com slash subscribe. Thanks again for tuning in to Do What You Want Radio. I just want to let you know that you're probably doing a great job and you probably deserve a beer. So go get one. See you next week.